So, there's some ideas. Any questions or comments or around anything except the, the government? <laughs> Election. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Don't know. Yeah? Well, it, it sort of depends on the social environment you're in. So it's something like really uh, complex family situations, say, it's just, then someone's just getting out of there because it's overwhelming. And, it, and if you can be on your own, then you've got a better chance to process it. So that's, that's a big one. I can imagine, like, if you come together for a family reunion and the family hasn't seen each other for a few years and all that old family stuff comes up, it can be beautiful, but it can also be very heavy. And then it is overwhelming. And then so, kind of going for like a two-hour toilet break <laughs> is very is strategic, right? <laughs> very helpful. So, keeping that in mind, the, 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 sometimes we have limits around what we can process because they're so strong. And not to think you can process, because you can't get burnt out you know, when, when things are too stressful. So, so keeping that in mind, then I, I always found uh, walking meditation, right? So I'm not going to look for a compensation right now. I'm just going to go walking back and forth, especially like really difficult, heavy stuff, because I couldn't figure it out. It was just so strong. I just I had to just bear with it. But the walking path was very good. Sitting was too, too, uh, too contained sometimes. I just walked back and forth, walked back and forth. My, you know, if it was really heavy, a couple of hours, I had the time. You know, monks can have the time, but... But just, 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 just getting on, like, I had a, like each of our kutis has, like, a 25-foot path. And uh, we just, we use it a lot, to alternate sitting and walking. So something very powerful is coming up. I found that was really good. I just work it, I just, okay, come on, you want to be here? Fine. Come on, come on more, you know, that kind of thing. Because I knew socially I could, I, didn't, I had no, I wasn't threatened by anything. And I knew I could be aware of it. And then, then I'd say, oh, this is an opportunity. Sometimes it wouldn't, but then be, I saw that more and more. And then maybe like, like really walking with it, and then eventually, oh, I think I'll sit with this. But I had the time. Mm-hmm. And quite often, they life, you don't have the time. You know, you're just kind of trying to process something very powerful in 10 minutes. Very hard. Yeah. So, but that, that sense of allowing it to be there, and the, but allowing the body it, its energies... Right, not trying to contain them, so just kind of walking back and forth. I found that really useful. Did a lot of walking that the first few years, probably more walking than sitting. Yeah. And then the energy would just just come out, and then eventually it would it would it would, it would go. It would go. Huh? But it was strong karma which would come up. Something would get triggered, which was ridiculously trivial, right? And I just feel so whatever. And then, I, then oh wow, look at that. This is, and then just walk, 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 walk. So it's that. And it's not a time for trying to figure anything out. Because it's so, it's so powerful, you don't have to do anything, actually. It's so in your face. You know, you don't have to go to thought. You don't have to figure out. Because now it's just been triggered, which is, which is in a way like a, 
purification. And, and where you're breaking the cycle, you're no longer running away from it. You're no longer going to, to food or to entertainment or, or blame, in whatever ways we, we distract things. You're just allowing it to be what it is. And then you're breaking the cycle because you're, you're countering the desire to get rid of it by just being with it. Now, that's very powerful. Then some things which aren't so overwhelming, um, then you start to use more subtle language. So, so just if, you, if your samadhi is becoming better and better, then you just start to use, like the language I use, non-resistance. Just a subtle resistance to thoughts or bodily feelings. It's non-resistance. So it goes from like a, a really coarse practice of hanging in there and doing lots of walking practice to a more subtle practice, you know, non-resistance. We're really getting the mind settled into the present moment. And it's all about our, our resistance to the unpleasant, from the major to the minor. I think one of our problems is we just overanalyze. We try to think our way out of these uh, traps or, or you know, horrible situations. But, but we tend to, when we analyze, we tend to create a strong sense of self. You know, thinking is very much conjoined with self, me, 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 me. And, you know, you've got a lot of experience in, in, in psychological training, so you've, you've done it enough, probably. But the mind will want to go there, figure out, why am I this way? So, so learning how not to be with thought and body awareness. So if you have that, like if walking meditation and strong body awareness, then it's just like, wait, you know, I've got to be patient with this, let this run its course. So let's say someone, um, let's say if, if, if it was an extreme, let's say someone is a, um, I, have a, I have a friend, I just found out he was a heroin addict for three years, right? You imagine that, and he's trying to get off heroin, I didn't realize this, and, and, uh, and everything in, in him now is coming up negative, and he's used to compensating with a drug, well, how difficult that is. Very, very difficult, and it's profoundly difficult. And what can you do? He's just has to endure until that loneliness or whatever he experienced and the compensations he he used, and 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 and, and the beauty of that drug for him um, that that's broken by bearing with the unpleasant. Um, so it's tough work. That's tough work. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to encourage yourself. To, to like if you get overwhelmed by something, just say, well. This is, this karma was more powerful than my the awareness. So it's not that you you're not trying. That's very important to kind of. It's it's hard not to do that when you know you kind of you understand the path, you understand the work you have to do, and then somehow you blow it. You know you say something and then oh gosh there I go again and, but it's just powerful karma, powerful karma coming through you and, and you just keep building the, the resources of mindfulness and, and, and presence. That's why the compassion is, is really the, the touchstone of true, true awareness. Because the compassion allows things to happen. Uh, it's like Lajan Sumeros, it all belongs. So even um, being overwhelmed belongs. Even, you know, making a mess of it belongs. Even uh, losing mindfulness belongs. Otherwise, how could we do this? You know, we'd have to be perfect right away. It'd be impossible. So any language you can put in that, like that, of, of, of uh, forgiveness and, 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 and compassion, it all belongs, that language plays out when you're dealing with it. 
you know, it's, it's like suggestions to the mind, insights, it, you know, comes from insights, that, 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 those ideas that, that compassion is important. I use the heart chakra a lot, you know, I talk a lot, you know, I find that really very um, um, beautiful, but painful, not now, but when I first started to work with the heart chakra, it wasn't very nice in there. <laughs> you know, so it was like a kind of um, knotted thing. And just that, I found uh, that's very, very helpful. And having like, having one place to go to, is, so I just began to say, no, I like that. I like this chakra. That's interesting. So it becomes a kind of very simple go-to place, rather than the complexity of analysis and thought and judgment and da-da-da-da. Yeah, that's just that. Like Ajahn Sumedho, he likes the sound of silence. You know, if you read his uh, his book, just the sound of silence. So things like that which bring you back to the present moment and you trust that kind of awareness, that's very helpful. Then it's not, not complicated. Still painful. Still have to uh, have a lot of endurance. But it becomes more simple. Yeah? It's a... Uh, when you say heart chakra, you are talking about compassion and what else? Well, I think all, 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 the, all the factors of the heart, like forgiveness, generosity, compassion, joy, a smile on your face, um, is somehow connected to that. So the more I can, I can be with that, the more I notice that though that's a whole part of being a human being which isn't egotistical. It's not about me. Right? And I just, just noticed that it's a very receptive place for consciousness to live. It responds very, very well to situations, much better than thought oftentimes. Uh, forgiveness is there. And all those things that we talk about, all those kind of good qualities. But it doesn't, doesn't, um, it doesn't intellectualize it. Should I do forgiveness? Or should I do mudita? Wait, just here and here. Yeah, this one first. Or this lady, yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> my question is, I'm with a friend who's got a very severe medical condition that causes extreme pain. Uh huh. And they can't. And the doctors, the medical, can only do so much. And so now it's shifted into terrible anxiety. Uh-huh. And I'm, you know, and I work with that professionally. I mean, I understand lots of aspects about it. But when it's such an extreme condition and then it goes into this anxiety. extreme anxiety, do you think thoughts about that? Well, I don't, have, I don't have chronic pain, so I can only, yeah, but... Um, and what Ajahn Sumedho uses, you know, there's, there's a kind of sound of silence in the back of the mind. So he'll do, he'll do dental work without anesthesia and use the sound of silence to be with the pain. He does it, does it as an exercise. <laughs> so he's really trained himself to be not attached but present to pain. And I can't do that. I've never done that because I've never had the need probably to do that. Um, the the thing with with that severe pain, you don't want to go to the body. You want to push the body away. So, in terms of classic Buddhism, 
it's the craving not to have the body this particular way that will create the anxiety. Yes. Yeah. So, if you can encourage the person to go to the pain and to know the pain uh, as, as, a, as a sensation and try to see the resistance to it. And it's easy for me to say that, right? But the actual doing of it is, is, is huge, it's very, very huge. Um, but that's, that would be the classic way that we'd say you have, to, you have to work with it. Whether I'd say that to the person or not, I might just listen to the pain. Maybe there wouldn't be time to say that. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, my mum, my mum had oxycontin. She loved it. <laughs> Got her out of the pain. <laughs> but yeah, like some medic, some people. So if you can, if you know, if if in your discussion with a person, uh, can, you can get get closer to the pain by saying, "Look at resistance." Can you see resistance? Right? Get them to look to be with that. Then you're you're one step removed from the narrative, right? You're getting closer to the problem. And, and how how about like introducing compassion? Like how can you get softness in there, uh, compassion, uh, and those? Some people can actually like totally cut off pain with mental objects, they can get another mental object going, concentration or whatever, but I can't, I can't do that. So. Mm -hmm. You know, easy answer, yeah. Uh, in the back, he had, he wanted to offer something in that question. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. <laughs> I, I just come back to the heart chakra. So, uh -huh. so when you go into your heart chakra, when you're, you're thinking about forgiveness and, and, and compassion and all that thing, it sort of replaces the uh, of the other feelings that are negative, so you replace them with the good feelings of that compassion mm -hmm. and that, and, and you can't have both at the same time. So, but you can process aversion through the heart. So, because it's not intellectual, you're not trying to replace. Let's say, let's say I feel really unforgiving towards someone that's hurt me, and I just notice that I just can't get past that. Now, if I try to substitute that with forgiveness, quite often it's just a head trip. I should forgive, I should forgive. It might be an insight, and I move to that, but I might just be an intellectual overlay. Mm -hmm. So another way to do it is say, okay, I really hate this person. Where's hatred? And how does my heart chakra feel with hatred? Then you're going to the heart chakra, but you're not demanding that it be anything else, and you're abiding with awareness of that. Because you're abiding with awareness of that, you're not thinking the narrative, you're not attached to it. So you're allowing that, that, that hate, that... that Exactly. To, to be there. To just to be. Yeah. And let it just come forward. Okay. And what I found, if I allowed that to become, come forward, and I didn't get caught in the idea that I had to fix it. That was one problem many of us have, because we're good people, you know, when we find it appalling to this, you know, kind of horrible lack of forgiveness or whatever, and we don't want to be that way, and hence we don't let it become conscious. So, so Ajahn Sumedho taught me, no, no, consciousness is the escape hatch. That's where things can be released. Yeah? And he, his image was like, is this is a prisoner in a cell, banging on the, on, the, on, the, on the bars. Let me out of here, let me in. No, shut up. May you be happy. And so making it conscious, so like this, this exercise in meditation, I was suggesting, make conscious bodily feeling. You know, the way I was talking, same thing with that. 
So now I'm making conscious this area of the body around a, a terrible lack of sense of betrayal, say. And it comes up, now I'm not going to the narrative, then it processes through me, and that area is softened. And then naturally, what, what seems to manifest then is a, a kind of non-egoic relationship to the world, and the heart's open. Whereas the, the contraction of, of, of attachment to betrayal is an egoic kind of, you know, the, the, the history and memory and, and so on and so forth. But if I don't make it conscious, and I just try to be a good person, for me it never worked. You know, I was just trying, trying to be terribly nice, but but the, it wasn't really what the karma demanded. It demanded more. No, let this let this horrible feeling be the way it is. Give it a chance too, <laughs> which isn't indulgent, right? Because it's not about thought. So I found just just being aware of this began to be a, a very simple way of non-judgment. Because whether it was contracted or open. Wasn't the, wasn't the question, it was just the way it was. And so through that, I, I think I worked through a lot of fear, things like that. So now it's a very soft and open place. But if I start to feel uptight about one of the monks or something, boop, oh, there it is again. But I know, oh yeah, that's the old pattern. And then I've got a way of relaxing it in, in the midst of a discussion or whatever. So if I'm, like if I'm talking and I've got a great idea and someone says it's not a great idea, oh my... You don't like my jig? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, 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 don't like my jig. And, and you can feel it. Uh oh, no, and it's. And relax away from it. So the, the more you get skilled with these things, it's like all the time. All the time, all the time. And then it becomes a really lovely abiding. Thank you. But at the same time, when, when you notice it, and like you go. It, it's because you're you're putting your awareness there. Yes. And, yes. Um, and you're recognizing uh, that's my ego, and it's responding this way because of. And it's great if you can identify where it originates, right? Yes. I don't know if you. Yeah, yeah. Have that experience, but I've been living it a lot lately, so I know what you're talking about. A lot of the <laughs> stuff I have is just habit, you know. Like it's yeah. I, because I have mm -hmm. a good childhood. I've had a wonderful life as a monk, but I just had crappy habits. <laughs> so the old habits just pop up, wow. you know. So it doesn't have to necessarily be attached to having a terrible childhood. No, no. <laughs> okay, cause, well, in, in my situation, well, any happens. childhood is going to have conditioning. Yeah. You know, I'm going to. You know, I probably yeah, read some body language from my <laughs> father, which I interpreted in some way, and then I just carried around for a lifetime. <laughs> It's just, it's, you know, inevitably you, you, you have some conditioning because ignorance sure. is functioning, you don't yeah. understand. And then you pick it up and you create a personality from that, you know, from a protectiveness or whatever. And then, and then you start to think, oh, wow, look at that. Mm -hmm. so, so that's why I find actually things like, like body awareness to be much more simple than analysis. I find it's very, very direct. Sure. Sure. I know I made a decision way back. Sure about my parents in early days of monk. I said, I'm not going to blame them. I'm not going to go to that narrative. And uh, it was a fashion then. It's a very Western thing. Yeah, it was a fashion among the Western monks to say, I said, well, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and I, I'm glad I did that, because I didn't reinforce. Not that there was anything to blame. I mean, it's easy for me to say, if my parents had been abusive, then I wouldn't talk this way. You know, so, so. But uh, even then, having good parents, I could see my mind could do that. 
could create a create a memory, create mm-hmm. a, a persona around yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, not to dismiss the very real problems of abusive parents. Yeah. 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 No, cause it's interesting because well, my, my situation is very simple and basic. I think a lot of people would identify with it. But I just started a new job about a month and a half ago, and you know, I it's very very precise work, you know, and I still make mistakes, <laughs> and I find it unbearable that you make mistakes. That I'm still after six weeks. <laughs> oh, not not on board. Anyway, so I but the thing is, you know, it's irrational, and and I keep noticing, you know, and, and this terrible, uncomfortable feelings, and I think, you know, I'm being judged, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be fired, and, you know, all these things come up, and I know that they're just, you know... Old perceptions. Yeah, That's stuff. all they are, yeah. You know, and so that's why this questioning about, you know, how do you process that, is like, you know, if I, you don't I, go I to thought, say, oh, there it is again, and, you know, sometimes I can actually relate it to... That reminds me of when I was a kid and didn't wash the dishes properly, you know, <laughs> or something like that. But usually it's just can you, stuff. <laughs> can you see that all conditions point to awareness? Mm-hmm. See, even, even the most mm-hmm. horrific are pointing to awareness. Because even when you're aware of it, you're still preoccupied with it. Mm-hmm. Like, and I can, I can be aware of something and just be oh, yeah, kind of preoccupied with it. But also I can see that this is happening in awareness. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So you, you begin to practice this, this, this suggestion of body, mm-hmm. sound, body, sound, mm-hmm. and you begin to see that awareness is like space. Mm-hmm. So even in the midst of this, rather than being preoccupied, well, you're open yeah. to space. Yeah. You do, you know, this is called a kasa meditation or space meditation. Okay. Because even though we understand this, we can still be preoccupied with it. Like it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And why is it this way? Mm. Or oh, it's just this way. It's the kind of the mind's always opening away from that. But isn't it a bad habit? Like, isn't there a way to just kind of get it out of our system? <laughs> you know what I by mean? not so attaching in the Buddhist way, non grasping. Yeah, just just letting it flow through. It's just stuff. Yeah, it's just weather. That I mean, that's it's one of the problems is we're trying to fix it all the time. The we never let it cease. We never really let it cease. Mm. Well, if there was a shortcut, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically what you're saying, it's being aware that you are aware. It's the awareness behind the awareness? It's infinite that. But that, that you, you, your home is now not fixing, but awareness of change. That's the kind of Buddhist model. Awareness of change. So as soon as you can say, oh, this is changing, it's not a problem. If it's a problem, then even though you're aware of it, you'll always be trying to do something about it. Yeah. As long as you're trying to do something, it never ceases. Yeah. It, never, it never runs its course. Mm-hmm. And, and you just kind of get in a kind of cycle of thinking and, and struggling. And uh, Well, one of the phrases that Wampa Sameda used a lot, he said, meditation is an emotional enema. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, you know, it's like that sometimes. It's something presses your buttons. Oh, God, what's this garbage coming up? And you just have to endure it. You just have to be patient with it. But if your refuge is awareness, awareness of change, you see, even this belongs. It all belongs. And more and more, you get a sense of that. No, grasp. Okay. You do. 
Yeah, you do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> When you're not challenged by difficulties, then that's the time you introduce really wholesome things, wholesome practices. So you, you bring up gratitude. You say, yeah, no problem. Oh, I think I'll think of the Makichis. Oh, thank you, Lumpur. Thank you, Lumpur. Thank you, Lumpur. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, you do things like that. And that gives the heart the kind of um, beauty that you like to go back to. You, know, you feel good about it. And then when life kind of throws a curveball at you, then you have another practice. It's like enduring. It's not all enduring, right? You know, okay, pain now, or my fear button's been pressed. Okay, I'm just going to be patient with it, patient with it. So you're doing both. You're, you're processing the kind of negative karma, but you're also creating factors which give you more strength in the, in, with awareness. So, so it might be... Uh, all, the, all the heart practices are very good. Gratitude practices, dana. And they give you a kind of strength to be with the, with the more difficult things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just, just kind of... Uh, yeah, really, you look at it like, okay, well, this lifetime, if I'm a better person, okay. Mm-hmm. I remember Ajahn Sumedho saying, they were all talking about enlightenment and stages of enlightenment and stages of this and that and Rumpo system. I think I'll just try to be a better person. So... <laughs> Very nice. You had a question, yeah? Yeah. Um, you talked about uh, attachment being uh, one of the root causes. I'm struggling with um, a child, a son, um, a grown-up son who's very ill, but he's recovering. Recovery is a long, painful process. I just can't, um, you know, the, 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 the compassion and the pain, more than the, I do have, I believe I have compassion for an enormous Compassion, but the pain of seeing him suffer is just so yeah. can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. And yet you're here, yeah. you are dealing with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're there. It's it's. Uh, I can't answer that because I'm not a mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine. I get I get afraid for my monk's health, and they're all grown <laughs> men. <laughs> you know? But I can't imagine the intensity you must feel. For, for someone so close to you and, and who's going through pain. It's the hardest thing to see someone... Like I, the what I discovered with my mother, caring for her, you know, when we talk about heart practice, we talk about kindness or, or, or uh, metta, which is just uh, non-aversion or kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And equanimity is very hard. So for your son, you have the utmost uh, wishing of well for him, 
goodwill towards him. You have deep compassion. If he does something beautiful, you have deep joy. So you got those three. Number four, equanimity, is in the text talk about this, it's very, very difficult for a mother to do. And so I found with, with, with my mother, and I don't think the relationship of a son to a 96-year-old mom has got to be as intense as a mom to a son. I, don't, I think the intensity is there. One, I, I'm not going to see this lifetime, right? But I, my insight around this was, I mean, I had deep love for my mom, and, and she had lots of pain at 96, but it wasn't, uh, it was sort of natural, and she knew it was natural in aging process. But my insight around equanimity was that uh, when she suffered, I didn't want her to have pain. So I had the compassion, but I, I had a resistance to her, to her situation. And that's that resistance which took me a long time to see. And when I saw it, it was like I don't want her to have pain, that I saw, well, that's not compassion, that's something that I'm adding. The compassion was there, helped her a lot, but I, at, at some level, I just, she has her own situation she has to be with. And she was actually okay with it. And I would, you know, she would just feel, just, stop worrying, kind of thing. And I wasn't very helpful in that way. So I found, okay, that she's got her karma, she's living out in this body. My resistance to that was that what, what I had to watch. And again, it's easier, you know, if your son is going through um, difficulties, then it's a lot easier for, for, for like an ongoing thing. But that was what I could watch, was the resistance, wanting things to be other than they are. And yet the compassionate side wanted things to be the other, and I could, I could, I could do a lot, I could, but there was a limit. I began to watch that. What's the difference between compassion and anxiety for her pain? What's that when, when I see her in pain and I've done everything I can, I start to watch that. This sense of, I oh, don't you know, don't and just no. Pain is this way, life is this way. I kind of, it was very hard to do to I kinda of look at it. And you know, for you as a mom it must be just so much more intense and so on. No answer, is there? They're kind of how life how life throws these things at us. But you are handling it. You are a good mom and you know, and, and um some kind of learning there going on. It's, uh, you know, being there, helping and rescuing, I think sometimes I'm, I need to let him, you know, stand by and let him go on his path. Mm-hmm. When I step back, I question, again, there is Dukkha Vedana. Yeah. Am I, am I doing the right thing? And only you can know that. Yeah. Everyone else can kind of give you advice. Yeah. But only you. There is that, uh, you're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like. Yeah, Thank you. This, this, I, for that um, idea of economy. See, see what that means, yeah. Do the best you can, but at some point, okay, it's my resistance. Yeah. I don't want him to suffer. Look at the not wanting. Please, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do kids this lifetime. I did monk. (laughs) I didn't. Those are lessons I probably learned last lifetime. Okay, be well. Good enough session, yeah?